This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. We are coming to you, of course, from our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. I'm sure that irony or coincidence is not lost on many of you. Liberty Village, we do talk about maintaining our our freedoms on the program. Uh, Anyway, Zoomer Radio, of course, 50,000 watts of peace and love. Uh, Tonight, we welcome a new affiliate to the network. News Radio 560 KPQAM Seattle. News Radio 560 KPQAM Seattle. Thanks for making The Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. Uh, The $31.2 trillion man. Let me repeat that. $31.2 trillion man. That's trillion with a T. Uh, He was Ronald Reagan's secret agent. Ambassador Lee Wanta is standing by, along with his publisher Lon Gibby, uh, to discuss how Lee Wanta brought down the Soviet Empire and ended the Cold War without firing a single shot. And then, through a series of sophisticated currency swaps and other financial uh, maneuvers, Wanta amassed a fortune in the tens of trillions, tens of trillions of dollars, which was uh, to be put aside for the American people. And we'll get to uh, that in just a moment. Uh, Ian Robertson is here behind the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. The mysterious, soft-spoken Albert Vinzel, our resident remote viewer, is here, running our HOA, Hangout on Air. And if you want to watch the program streamed live on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Let me spell the last name, S as in Simon, Y because I love you, R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. And while there, please say hi and be sure to follow. Uh, and at the top or near the top of the uh, Twitter feed, you'll find a tweet containing a link to the HOA. 
in big, bold, capital letters, H-O-A. You just click on it. And presto, sim, salabim, abracadabra, you are in. Uh, Finally, uh, please, uh, I encourage you to get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca or strangeplanet.tv. Either will work strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.tv. That's essentially a landing page. Uh, And from there, you can go to the radio page, uh, the live events page, and please keep checking at the live events page. We have more live events coming your way this fall. And, of course, the television page. Uh, And speaking of the television program, at long last, I am very pleased, thrilled, to bring you Tidings of Great Joy, uh, Season 4. Season four of my television program, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, will debut across Canada on Vision TV Monday, June the 27th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Monday, June 27th, 9 p.m. Eastern, Vision TV across Canada, and that's season four. All right. Let us uh, get to the $31.2 trillion man. If you're not familiar with Ambassador Lee Wanta's exploits and his incredible story, uh, be prepared, as I always like to say, to have your reality redefined. Uh, It sounds like something ripped from the pages of an Ian Fleming story, but it is not. Lee Wanta is not James Bond. He's real, and he insists the incredible tale... You're about to hear is likewise the gospel truth. First, uh, let me welcome Lon Gibby, who is editor of Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, the autobiography of Lee Wanta. Lon is also the CEO of Gibby Media Group, which is the producer of a new documentary film on Lee Wanta called Eagle One to Wanta. And incidentally, uh, you can watch the trailer for this film uh, at eagle1towanta.com, eagle1towanta.com. Lon Gibby, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, great. Good to talk to you. How, how are you tonight? Very well, thank you, and I appreciate you uh, carving out uh, two hours to, uh, to stay with me tonight. Well, it's a, again, it's a real honor to get to be with you and your audience, and we really appreciate the opportunity to spend this time with you. All right, now, uh, from Parts Unknown... Ambassador Lee Wanta was President Reagan's secret agent who masterminded a creative way to financially take down the economy of the Soviet Union and put together and negotiated an agreement with Secretary General Mikhail Gorbachev. As a result, the Russian Federation was born, and future generations throughout the entire world have enjoyed more safety from a nuclear holocaust because of his efforts. In this process, Lee Wanta did amass trillions of dollars that were designated to go back to the American people by President Reagan. However, in his effort to carry out his mandate, Lee was imprisoned, and the monetary funds that were his to distribute as planned were stolen or converted illegally by an organization known as, well, we're familiar with uh, this organization, the Federal Reserve System, and then used by them to this very day. Lee Wanta, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? You're very faint, Richard. Sorry. Can you read anything? Uh, I will get my, my trusty uh, producer. Uh, Ian, can you boost, the, can you boost my, my send to Lee? No. You can't. All right. Well, listen, let me, um, what we'll do is uh, I will direct my first couple of questions to Lon Gibby. 
And then during the break, perhaps we can have Lee uh, call the studio line directly, and then he'll be able to hear me better. Uh, Lon, can you hear me okay? You bet. All right. Uh, first of all, Lon, let me direct this question to you. Get the, the thumbnail sketch that I gave uh, regarding Lee's incredible story, did I leave out any pertinent information there? No, that was great. Uh, you pretty much summarized it, you know, that uh, the, the Cold War uh, with Lee, Lee worked directly under President Reagan as a mandated secret agent. He wasn't uh, an employee of the government. Uh, he was working under what was known as the Toten Doctrine, which we'll talk about the Toten Doctrine, number 92, U.S. Uh, 105 and 107. And that goes back to Abraham Lincoln. It's very historical. Uh, Abraham Lincoln needed somebody that he could trust as an individual to go behind enemy lines to work with the Confederate uh, armies and, and the people that we were fighting against at that time. And uh, he uh, adopted the Toten Doctrine to be able to work with a, an, an independent person that was not an employee. And uh, President Reagan uh, was aware of that, the Toten Doctrine, and decided that that would work well for some of his goals that he was trying to bring the in the, the cold the, the bring down the, the Soviet Union without firing a shot and uh, so he needed somebody like Lee who had tremendous uh, talent in various areas to be able to accomplish that and uh, Lee agreed under oath and under a mandate that was given up to him by President Reagan to work under the Toten doctrine to basically put his life in jeopardy and to work as a secret agent. If he was a spy, he wouldn't have lived. He, he definitely wouldn't have made it through, but he worked as a secret agent independently, you know, as uh, directly under the president. So that's very unique. We've only had two of those in our entire U.S. history. So it, the Totten Doctrine was essentially uh, a, a power the president had to draft a, a, a citizen of the United States uh, for special assignments. Is that it that, in a that nutshell? That's correct. Okay. Now, how did you meet? Uh, now, you're up in Spokane, uh, Washington, right. um, uh, which is a, a beautiful little, uh, well, it's not little, it's a beautiful city. But how on earth did you meet this secret agent, trillion-dollar man, Lee Wanta? Well, it's, that's an in- interesting uh, question. You know, uh, my first experience of going to the Soviet Union was doing a documentary with a, a number of food professionals from Seattle that we traveled with uh, in 1988. So I had the experience of, of shooting and filming in the Soviet Union before uh, it uh, became the Russian Federation. And so I've been always interested in Russia. I've been always interested in uh, the Cold War and what happened. I was there during that time period and uh, traveled about 7,000 miles in Russia. So when I heard about Lee's project, it was introduced to me basically, are you interested in doing something that's kind of scary? that uh, maybe you may not, once you hear the content, you may not want to be involved in. And so when I was introduced to it as a, as a documentarian, I, I, I was quite interested because I'd done documentaries on uh, the Vietnam War on, with fighter pilots. Uh, I did a, a project relating to um, some of our historical background. But had you heard of Lee Wanta prior to I'd never, this? I'd never heard of Lee. Uh, and so it was when I, I was... Ended up um, talking with one of his associates, a lady that was working with him. Uh, she kind of screened me and looked at my stuff and uh, talked to Lee about us for quite a while. And it was about uh, 
two months or so after I first started talking about this project that one day I got a call from Lee, and uh, he talked to me personally on the phone, and then it seems like we've probably talked uh, every single day since then. But the story on, on the surface, it does seem almost too incredible to be true. He brings the Soviet Union to its knees through these currency swaps. In other words, he absolutely decimates the ruble, uh, so the Soviet Union, you know, has no no uh, choice really, but essentially to surrender. I mean, they give up, they lose the Cold War, uh, and it's all this done by you know one man without firing a shot. Did you believe this story initially, or did you have some reservations? Well, when I first heard about it, I thought, you know, you know, that's just very difficult to believe <laughs> right off the top. I mean, and I, it wasn't until I started reviewing the documents. And studying his uh, his history and looking at all the the details that I I began I understood that yes this is a true story and it needed to be told to the American people that it, it you know the Soviet Union was was the evil empire so we're not talking about trying to collapse and ruin the the, the people of Russia because Lee loves the people of Russia he didn't he doesn't he didn't want to hurt anybody but uh, I really felt like the the project had some serious. Uh, consequences to it you know if if people needed to needed to know how this took place and they also needed to know what happened to lee after he uh how he amassed those trillions of dollars and then what happened to that money well that's you know obviously uh lee's incarceration on a, on two occasions two separate occasions on uh, allegedly uh, trumped up charges but that yes that's the that's the key is the 31.2 trillion now through uh, compound interest i suppose it's now worth 31.2 trillion enough to wipe out the us federal debt not including long term liabilities uh, which you know social security medicare which could be as high as 100 trillion uh, but uh, right now on the books we've got a, a us federal debt of about 19 or 20 trillion so that would be wiped out uh, this was ronald reagan's intention for this money uh, well, that's correct, and you know one thing, uh, Richard. He um, was given 150 billion dollars of seed capital, basically, which he was just like a loan to him from the U.S. Treasury. From the U.S. Treasury, and he did very well with that money, and he paid it back six months later. Uh, and with all his different companies that he used, and his his the people that he brought in that he worked with, uh, he was extremely successful in not only taking down collapsing the Soviet Union and paying, obviously, that money back. But he amassed trillions of dollars in the process, which, again, Reagan knew he would, but would would really, um, they had a plan to help build a, a high-speed rail system for our country and, how, and, to, and to really help our company, our country, get out of debt. And well, you could sure use, sure use that money now. And as this hour and the, the second hour unfolds, because this is a special edition of uh, The Conspiracy Show. We're going to keep uh, Lon Gibby and Ambassador Lee Wanta on the program for the full two hours. Um, we're going to head into a break, but just very, very quickly, if if people were to go to, say, the President Reagan Library, would they find documents, mentions made of, of Lee Wanta to sort of corroborate this story? Uh, yes, they would. They would also find, some, you know, within his biography, some of the documents that he has uh, within his, uh, his book that... The, the links that are available uh, were from the Reagan Library. Okay, Lon, I'm going to take a time out. We'll come back. What we'll do is if you could uh, get 
Ambassador Wanta. I don't know if Ambassador, you can yeah, hear me. Have him call your line direct and. Uh, Excellent. We'll do that, and we'll have a better connection. And, uh, I hope so because I can't hear you that well here either. Just so you know. Okay. Uh, just I'm hold on the line. My there. producer's going to talk to you right now. All right. All right. Thanks. The trillion well, dollar man. The thirty-one point two trillion dollar man, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. This is a special edition of The Conspiracy Show. We are going the full two hours uh, with our guests, Ambassador Lee Wanta, Ronald Reagan's secret agent, uh, the man who brought the Soviet empire to its knees by decimating the Russian ruble through some currency swaps. Uh, he then went on to amass a, a fortune under Reagan's direction, uh, now uh, totaling about $31.2 trillion dollars. What happened to the money? Uh, what is what is it going to take to repatriate it to the United States and uh, put it uh, to good use uh, as Reagan intended? And also joining us, Lon Gibby, who is uh, the editor of Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, which is the autobiography of Ambassador Lee Wanta. That is uh, published uh, by Viking. Um, Viking International, rather. And uh, Lon Gibby is also the producer of a new documentary film called Eagle One to Wanta. And you can see the trailer at eagleonetowanta.com. And uh, Lon, you're still with us? Yes. All right. And Lee, can you hear me better now? I'm bouncing, but I'm good. Excellent. Uh, now, I won't even ask you for any donuts. It's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ambassador Wanda apparently has a, pun, a penchant for uh, donuts. But <laughs> uh, now, in our police training. Oh, all right. Uh, first of all, uh, let me uh, just ask uh, Lon one more quick quest, quick question before we get over to Ambassador Wanta. In this documentary film, uh, we can see the trailer now on Eagle One to Wanta. But when will we be able to see the, the finished product? Well, our goal has always been to have it uh, completed before the election, uh, if, if there is an election. Um, and Lee, Lee can address that later. But I believe that uh, that if, if things continue to go as well as they are and we're getting all the content that's been coming in, some of the interesting information that we have uh, and the people we're interviewing, we're in the process of getting uh, getting those secured now. Uh, we, we, we hope to have it ready by the, by the end of the summer. All right. Ready to go. Uh, Lee, let me ask you this just, uh, you know, right up front. For people... People are listening to this program, and they're saying, wait a minute, this man amassed a fortune of $31.2 trillion. Um, he brought the Soviet empire to its knees without firing a shot, convinced Mikhail Gorbachev essentially uh, to dissolve the Soviet Union, and they're saying, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. What would you say to the, the skeptics, the debunkers, out there listening who, who, who don't believe this story. Lee, what would you say to them? I would tell them to go to uh, what, what Lon put up on the Internet, a tape recording. How long was it, uh, Lon? 12 minutes, something like that? 
What's recording are you referring to? Lee? The one from the two senators and uh, oh, yeah, the other governor of Tennessee. That's six and a half minutes. Okay, the governor of Tennessee. You have a tape recording. The former of... governor of Tennessee. Right. And a sitting senator who was the chairman of a big committee and a state senator on tape called the embassy demanding that I release $30 billion because they collected my money for me. I thought you might have heard that. It's a live tape. In fact, we turned it into the FBI in Title 18, Section 201, A, B, and C, because public elected officials, even former public elected officials, are demanding $30 billion from me or they're going to kill me. And they identify themselves on the tape as... Well, yeah, yeah. the FBI called me and the French intel called me and said, what the hell happening, Ambassador? Let me hear it. And that's available, by the way, to listen to if you go to... You can play it on your show. And it, uh, it's been unedited. It's just exactly the way it was left accidentally on uh, Lee's embassy phone. Right. Uh, Lee, let me ask you about uh, Ronald Reagan. And um, why did he approach you uh, to pull this off? What's special about Lee Wanta that he was confident you're the guy that he should invoke the Totten doctor- Doctrine and, and put you on the case? Why you? It's very simple. I own Leo E. Wanta and Associates, Inc., which is a management selling group for just these special kind of things. One of the people that helped me set it up in Carson City, Nevada, was former CIA director Bill Casey. The other one was, at that time, a senator, Paul, of that state, and they knew who I was. I was in the DX Destroyer, the Hub Body, the B-1 Bomber, on a number of projects, and everybody knew my background in engineering and being a tool and die maker by a five-year apprenticeship I not only do the engineering studies, I can machine the doggone thing myself. I was an expert. I did stuff in GE Evendale. I was part of many machine tool processing books. I was skilled. I was a uh, time measurement certified engineer. I was also a leader of some of the uh, training industrial uh, you know, committees, councils, okay? I was a jack of all trades. I loved it. And and um, what were your impressions uh, upon meeting President Reagan for the first time? He scared the hell out of me. Why? Why? Because I was thinking of both a bull, bozel, and monkey. So you were buying into sort of the the, the media's myth about him that he was just no, an actor. No, not at all. No? You have to understand. I grew up in Sheboygan. The only big thing in Sheboygan was baseball every time, every day, with the kids in the play playground, and going to the, uh, a movie. And Tom Mix was in there and all those other films, you know. And Ronald Reagan was a good guy, and my mother liked Doris Day and Esther Williams. And I felt, wow, I'm meeting an actor. Oh, I see. Person. Okay, so and you were in awe of it. Okay, but as, a, as, a, as the commander-in-chief, and when he proposed this idea to you for the first time, that you would be responsible for, for collapsing the Russian ruble and, and collapsing the Soviet Union, what, what did you think of the plan? And was it his plan? All, First of all, being a management consultant, he knew that I've been all over the Defense Department, the Agri every and the Labor Department, everything else. He was asking me not to. He wanted the method. How could we do this? They didn't have a plan. All their plan was is to take down the Soviet Union and and stop the Cold War because the military-industrial complex, even General Eisenhower and Kennedy, and Kennedy wanted to get rid of the military-industrial complex. Because the bankers make money on wars and death, war mer- mer- merchants, he called them. 
Right. Can you? And that's why I had to think about it, and I thought about it for two or three months, because if we take away the currency, what are they going to buy with it? And then we did other research and found that the Army was being defunded, just like our Army. They couldn't buy this. They didn't have any jet fuel. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. And the soldiers had to sell their uniforms or their hats or their buttons just to get something to eat. So I came back with the proposal and the plan. It was my plan, how to do the financial deals, because it wasn't, nobody knew what to do, because they were the big evil empire that going to kill us. Now, can you explain in very simple, basic terms uh, how these currency swaps worked that enabled you to collapse the Russian ruble and at the same time making, you know, amassing this huge fortune? How does a currency swap work? Very basic. very simple. First of all, I was sent to Vienna, Austria. I wanted to go to Paris. So now I got everybody in Vienna, Austria, which is, which is part German, to be frank about it, because of the World War II. And we knew that a lot of the people were going to Budapest, Hungary, and smug, smuggling out the rubles so they can buy a, a dishwasher or a refrigerator or some food. And we knew at Central, Central uh, Credenstadt Bank, right by uh, the cathedral there, St. Stephen's Cathedral, I met with them, and I came to the fact that they were still getting rubles somehow because I had promised software. So I knew what currencies are floating around. I don't know if you know what promised software is, oh, but yes. it's a yes. backdoor to all the banks. And uh, They had that in the, in the late 80s? Certainly. Okay. By Inslow. In fact, it was stolen by a bunch of crooks within the uh, the previous administration for their profit. I'll give you a hint. The Arkansas mafiosa. Anyhow, we knew that they were transferring rubles back to their central banks. And we, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's not supposed to be any rubles, Soviet rubles, out of the country. No, because it wasn't portable. Trade. It wasn't a portable currency, right? Right. It had no value outside the border. And we knew that China and border were having China and Russia, the Soviet Union, were fighting on the borders all the time. So being a clever guy, being Polish, I, my dad told me about the Germans taking, taking care of us when I was just a little kid. I decided that if we can penetrate and get rubles ourselves because they can't take the rubles out of the country, and I give them the price that they asked for, and I give them hard currency like Swiss francs or Deutschmarks, or Spanish pesetas, or dollars, or or shillings in Austria, because that's what the banks were doing. They were doing a little side deal. A lot of these banks were smuggling rubles to their banks and paying off other debts. I said, wait a minute, the banks can do it. I can do it better, because I have a low low level of uh, management employees to pay. Okay, so you're buying up Russian rubles. I'm not buying nothing. No. Okay. I'm trading. I'm. You give me your rubles, and I'll give you the currency of your choice. And I was buying rubles at 26, 28, 29 cents a ruble. And the benchmark for the Soviet ruble at that time was $1.20. So I would get the spread if I could get a bank to pay me the $1.20. And that was not hard to do because other leadership and other companies and corporations around the world knew that if they could get into the marketplace in the Soviet Union, at you know good pricing, they made a manufacturing plant or something. We're going to be passed for ribbon beer in there, uh, the, con- the con- Continental Bread Group. We were doing all those things, and Tampax and Kimberly Clark, and 
not Sandberg's, but uh, the coach, whatever, whatever the the trade name was. And we knew that we could get in there. And I was a task force commander. I was saying, okay, the postal service, the military, uh, everybody wanted to get rid of the rubles because they had them stuffed in their mattresses in the post office. They had everything hidden. They had nothing of value that they could buy. Even if they had the rubles, there was nothing to buy on the shelves. So we figured out a plan, my staff and I, how to penetrate the Soviet Union and bring rubles out. And I bought the rubles to Holland and Brinks. They sorted them out, bagged and wrapped them, and they gave them to the major banks so they could recycle. And it gave them a very good price, by the way. It cost me 26, 28 cents. And I was getting like 75, sometimes 80 cents. And the Soviet Soviet Union, Embassy Dachanko and Babushva, called my partner I into the Singapore Embassy of the Soviet Union, and argued with me. They aren't going to give me the benchmark a dollar twenty. I take a dollar eight, and I, being a Polish engineer, let's see, a dollar eight's the max. I pay them twenty six, twenty eight, twenty two, and I'm arguing with my Chinese partner that we that I go broke. I can't take a dollar eight, so we put on a big, big Dale Carnegie show, back and forth, fighting back and forth, screaming at each other. He pushes me out the door. I go back to work, company car. And I waited about 30 minutes later, he comes out with the agreements that we use Bank of China and Singapore at a dollar eight. And he wants to go to massage. But no, 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 no. We're taking the documents to the, to the vault at the office, and we'll celebrate after we know that the Bank of China is going to accept the agreement. And they did. Okay, so here's my question. Again, a simple man, not uh, worldly in, in matters of finances. How is it that this... Uh, currency swap destroys the ruble. Is it causing the ruble uh, like to flow out of the country in such huge numbers that there's they no rubles? They, there's articles they wrote about me that they didn't even have any rubles in the marketplace. Ah, so you just caused this cascade of rubles to leave the country. All Absolutely. the money left the country. Everyone every was giving us their rubles. And barrels and bushels, baskets, trains, planes. Because they were getting the hard currency of their choice to their account. All right. And so at that point, they no longer have the Soviet Union, that is, and Mikhail Gorbachev have no more. They have no money to to pay off their soldiers, to pay their workers. The economy comes to a standstill. Well, not necessarily. They had money because we sent the rules back at a dollar eight. But they had no foreign currency, no dollars, no Deutschmarks, no Swiss francs, no Spanish potatoes, no Italian lira, no Canadian dollars. So they couldn't buy foreign goods. Right. Okay. Welcome to the club. All right. Thanks for explaining that. Ambassador Liwanta stays with us. Also, Lon Gibby, the uh, editor of the autobiography Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, and the producer of Eagle One to Wanta. We will continue this conversation in mere moments. Don't go away. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. 
To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, welcome back. Ambassador Lee Wanta, Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, Reagan's secret agent, the man who brought the Soviet Union to its knees, ended the Cold War, and amassed a fortune uh, now totaling $31.2 trillion, uh, is with us along with uh, his editor, Lon Gibby, and the producer of the documentary Eagle One to Wanta. Let me uh, just give you a quick programming note coming up next week. UFO historian Richard Dolan will be uh, with us, along with um, Victor Vigiani, of course, our good friend from um, Zeland Communications, and that's in anticipation of the big Alien Cosmic Expo coming up June uh, 23rd, 24th, and 25th in Brantford, and I will be moderating a panel on the Saturday. That's the, uh, I believe that's the, or is it 24, 25, 26? Anyway, go to aliencosmicexpo.com, aliencosmicexpo.com, and I'll be moderating a panel on the Saturday, uh, which will feature a who's who of uh, top UFO researchers, exopolitics, uh, or, or disclosure advocates like Richard Dolan, uh, Stanton Friedman, uh, Stephen Bassett, uh, Travis Walton, uh, Grant Cameron, and, and many others. Uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, of course. Again, AlienCosmicExpo.com. Oh, and very quickly, I, 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 I missed this uh, last week. I, I think it was last Saturday or Sunday. Uh, a, a young fan uh, down in the Denver, Colorado area who is uh, five years old, Calum, uh, who has been battling uh, cancer courageously for quite some time. And... Um, by all accounts, is kicking cancer uh, to the ground. Uh, celebrated his fifth birthday. So, Calum McAllister down in the uh, Denver, Colorado area, a, a belated happy birthday from your old pal, uh, Richard Serrett. All right, uh, back to admirable, uh, <laughs> admirable, yes, indeed, admirable and uh, uh, Ambassador Lee Wanta and Lon Gibby. Uh, Lon, Richard, let me th- if I may clarify. Yes. You've got 25, 30 major creditors through the Soviet Union. They were invoiced in foreign trade in rubles. Right. I am 50% owner of a nickel credit with my Chinese partner, who used to have trouble with the Soviet Union through his father, who was a warlord. If you get a bill from, say, to Chile that you owe 90 billion rubles, or you're in Pakistan or India or Canada or even the United States, if I give you rubles at, say, 80 cents, 68 cents, and I pay your bills in rubles, they get all the rubles back, but there's no more hard currency. Right. That's where the beauty part of the thing was. They they got all their bills coming back from all of these countries, the G20 countries and everything else, but they were paid in rubles because they were invoiced in rubles. But we gave the rubles 42. China got a very better price than that, 55 cents. And we would pay through a nickel credit, which was a underwriting facility in Singapore. We have a license as underwriters. Okay. So when Mikhail Gorbachev uh, decided, that's it, no mas, no mas, were you over there to sign that agreement with him? I signed a general, general agreement on cooperation with Yegor Gadar, the prime minister of the Russian Federation. Uh, Secretary General Mikhail Gorbachev resigned within days after we agreed at a $10 billion set-aside at the Gorbachev Foundation, and Yegor Gar and Yelstein, Boris Yelstein, took charge. There and, were celebrations at their White House. And your signature, 
Lee Wanta is on that document. Finance director, finance minister, Gennady Filchin, who now lives in Vienna, Austria. Probably might be in my petals. I don't know. <laughs> and your name is on that document? Absolutely. On the right side, right corner. And and the, the finance minister, Gennady Filchin, was on the left bottom as the finance minister of the new Russian Federation, FDDD, something, something like that. All right. Um, it was a perfect swap. Now, how much money did you raise with the, the currency swap on the ruble? Approximately. A lot of money. A lot of money. Are we talking dr- trillions, hundreds of billions? Hundreds of billions. All right. But remember, from there, I bought prime bank guarantees at the top creditworthy banks, not at just a bank, top 10 creditworthy banks. That if you can't pay me back for the money I'm giving you in cash, and you're giving me a derivative or an IOU or some stupid thing, I'm not interested. Right. So you're going around buying banks. You're buying blue-chip banks. No, I'm buying prime bank guarantees so they can... They were getting 18 22% interest on the credit cards. They paid me. Say, if I, you're the banker. I give you a billion dollars. You give me prime bank guarantees, 10, 25, 50 denominations, and you're paying me 7.5% per annum for 10 years. Now, you already make 11%. I gave you cash. You can sustain your credit card uh, market. Okay. Now, you're funneling all of this money into and where are you squirreling this money away at this All point? All the top 10 creditworthy banks. Some of them within the United States? I don't do any work in the United States. They're no. not our friends. Okay. So, th- so this money is, is – and how are you keeping track of all of these, uh, these accounts that you have? I have Promise Software. Promise Software. Four units. Bill Hamilton is a very good engineer as well. But at the same time, your – let's call them your enemies, your political enemies, they're also tracking the whereabouts of this money? Well, GAO comes to our office four quarters in Vienna, the general accounting office. They go through all of our books and everything else. They know exactly how much money I have in the New Republic USA Financial Group, GES, a corporation of Vienna, because the same New Republic was, was originally in, in – uh, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, because we were building the MX Mobile missiles. We need to buy the Southern Pacific Railroad so we could put the MX missiles in the trailer cars and run them around the world or the United States. So they never knew if they had a real train of missiles or a blank one because we were putting dummy missiles in there. So if they put some kind of weight structure on the track, some spice or something, it would weigh the same as the original MX Mobile missiles, and we were buying a federal land bank in Jackson for our our computer, our our satellites, so we knew when we were being attacked, we can launch at any at any uh, rail, rail rail stop. Let me ask you: Once Reagan leaves office, he didn't leave office. Well, okay, uh, in 1989, when he, well, I don't know how how else to say it, but okay, so he. President Reagan was not replaced by any publicly elected official on January 21, 1989, and we all know it because that's the facts of life. Okay, and we're talking about uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. And yeah, that guy. The idea the is CIA, that he was he would have been he, barred. They had an agreement that he could never run for a publicly elected official job. And this he is, knew that. This is because his father, Prescott Bank, Bush. His grandfather, Prescott Bush, was right. an officer, a director at Herman Bank, and they were training with the enemy. And they were going to charge him for treason. They probably would have got shot. And they made a private deal that no Bush family 
would be eligible for a public elected office. Even Jeb Bush, even Jr. can't run. And in fact, uh, the NSA guy, Berger, went into the National Archives to steal the agreements. And he got caught by the archive, National Archive Police. Sort of to expunge that from, from the, the record. Love to take it out of his pants. All right, Lee, i got to take a time out. We'll come back. Lon Gibby, editor of Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, and the man in question, Ambassador Lee Wanta, the $31.2 trillion man, Reagan's secret agent. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Ambassador Lee Wanta, Reagan's secret agent, the $31.2 trillion U.S. dollar man, brought the Soviet Union to its knees without firing a shot, amassed a fortune, as I mentioned, $31.2 trillion. We'll find out what happened to that money. Uh, how he's trying to get it back, uh, who else is after that money. Uh, Lon Gibby is also with us. He is the editor of Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, which is the autobiography of Lee Wanta, published by Viking International. And Lon Gibby uh, is also uh, the producer of the new documentary film, which will be out uh, hopefully this fall, uh, and that is uh, Eagle One to Wanta. Eagle One to Wanta. You can see the trailer at eagleonetowanta.com. Let me ask uh, Lon Gibby... Uh, I'm a, this this story. Uh, I mean, is so full of intrigue and political subterfuge, and I'm sure there's a you know there's a body count. I know there's a body count, uh, you know, uh, associated with this story as well. And Lee will probably tell us about that later. But Lon, for you making this film, and just even by association, uh, knowing Lee Wanta, is your life in danger? Well, you know, I think anybody that's that's trying to get the truth out has, in history, has been in danger. But, you know, you got you have to realize that that so many people know this story already. This isn't new. What we're doing is just it, we're qualifying a lot of the facts, uh, and people already know a lot about uh, Lee. There's, he's been out. And there's been a lot of information out on him on the internet. Literally, you can Google and see just tons of stuff. Now, a lot of it's planted stuff. It's inaccurate. It's half truths. But what we're trying to do uh, is put out um, the story with, with with backup documents to really uh, so that people know that that it is factual. And uh, yeah, it's always it crosses your mind, but you know you have to have a we all have a uh, you know have to stand up and be counted in this life. You can't just um, not uh, just sit there and wring your hands. And as a documentarian, I, re- I recognize that this this was probably a thousand times more significant than Watergate. In our country, Watergate was a big deal. Uh, obviously, it was serious. Uh, 18 minutes we were missing out of uh, audio tapes and a number of other issues, but the cover-up was worse than the crime. Well, in this case, this is so uh, major because it covers... It, it, there's so many people involved, and it's just nauseating. 
when you understand some of the people that you respect voted for and have been in, um, believed history was done a certain way. It's not. It's different. And you find that out when you read this information. And, uh, and it does need to get out. So I'm just one of many people that are putting out uh, good, accurate information. But there's also a lot of people that are being paid to put out inaccurate information. And uh, they're being, uh, it's, it's confusing people. And, and just to be clear here, the, when you say it's nauseating, you're talking about the, the, what's, what, what is the nauseating aspect is that we have $31.2 trillion that Lee has amassed. He wants to put that into the U.S. Uh, uh, Treasury uh, for the benefit of the American people, wipe out the debt, uh, essentially resurrect the economy, huge infrastructure projects, but he's being prevented from doing that, and we'll find out why. But let me ask you, again, people listening are going to be wanting you know, corroborating evidence and so forth. Are there, for example, in your documentary, uh, people from the Reagan administration or from the other side that were, were in the Soviet Union working Absolutely. alongside Miguel Gorbachev? Give us some insight into who's in the film and, and what, they, what they offer up. Well, I, you know, I'm rather than give, I can't give names because it's part, it's part of our, <laughs> part of what makes this such a special project. But I could tell you that a lot of the folks that we have talked to, uh, I was surprised that I was on the phone with. Okay, I'm, uh, and I'm also um, aware that that the people that we have talked, that we are interviewing, have agreed to be interviewed, and these are people that are finally willing to talk. And uh, and this information has to get out to the American public. You know, when Lee came here to Spokane, uh, he, no, everybody said he'll never show up, you know, because no one's really seen Lee. And he just, you know, he's basically been a political prisoner for all these years. But Lee did come to Spokane, and uh, we spent, I spent about uh, 18 hour, six 18-hour days with him. And, uh, he's, and, and, and I had, when you interview somebody, you can tell, I've interviewed people my whole life. That's what I do. And you can tell when people are, are being, they look you in the eye and they can tell you what they believe. And you've seen a few of the, 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 uh, the pieces from the documentary in the film preview that we did. But uh, Lee, Lee's story never changes. It's always the same. He'll look you in the eye and he'll tell you exactly what happened. And I feel very good about getting this information out because it's a positive story in the sense that it's not too late to make a change. You know, that we can, we can get these funds back and they should go where they need to go we could have, we get our economy back where it needs to be and we could have leaders that have integrity that are honest that have character that are willing to run for office and step up to the plate uh, as opposed to people that uh, are controlled by puppet masters or people that are um, paying them to do various things uh, Lee tell yeah. me about um, your imprisonment you were in Switzerland uh, what happened there? Why why were you thrown in the clink in Switzerland? Well, I think it all started because I had a call from Delora Tyson, who was the charitable lady of the White House Economic Council, and also, uh, it's sad to say, Vince Foster. And we were going to meet him in Switzerland. They needed $250 million to support the Children's Defense Fund. And I figured, that sounds good to me. You know, I'm I loved kids. I was the PTA chairman, you know, and president in, in the state of Wisconsin, and very much involved with that. So we were out taking care of the mob problems in in, it, in Italy. I was with the chief judge, John Pierre Luigi, and 
Eric, Erica Rufo of the Italian Sacred Police Services, and we were doing a number of things in the Italian groups because of mob relations. In fact, it's all covered in Thieves World. And the funny thing about it, the F- assistant director of the FBI, Jim Moody, he's part of the authorship of the book, and he lied like hell. He's got to be protecting the mob because the author, Claire Sterling, on a second FBI interview, according to Philip, uh, Mr. X, she disappeared on the second interview of the FBI. Okay, but she we just have a few. On the mob. We just have a few moments here. So explain uh, why. What were the charges when you were arrested in Switzerland? There were no charges. They just held me because the state of Wisconsin called them and said that I failed to pay fourteen thousand one twenty nine dollars for a false vending service. When a false vending service in Butler, Wisconsin, I worked deep cover because Bella Frank, Bella Story, the mob, and other people were involved in running drugs and everything through the vending company. And I went in there with the, the, I was the deputy sheriff, Shield 714, Washington County Sheriff's Department, which was in our, our, our county, working with Fred Thorne of the FBI and a couple other people at the FBI and also uh, Buck Revel of the FBI and Gonzalez of the FBI. And since I graduated from Milwaukee Police Academy when I was young, and the Washington County Deputy Sheriff's Academy, they used me deep cover to pretend to buy false money so we can get the books because okay. they knew that Bellistrieri and the boys were funding the Kennedy assassination in Boston. Okay, so they trumped up these charges of, of failure to pay income tax, fourteen thousand yeah, dollars or whatever. It, no, it was. as a civil tax assessment. Okay, civil tax a assessment. False vending service for okay. I was the trustee in federal bankruptcy court. Okay, but who gave that order to government? Okay, who gave the order to have you um, uh, arrested then? Beats the hell out of me. You don't know, and and um, so, but it was someone who wanted to get their their hands on your money. Is that the All idea? All the money. All the money. In fact, state of Wisconsin offered me an Elford plea that Lon's got a copy of. If I take him to all my banks and show him all my account money and billions and billions of dollars in writing from the Attorney General of the state of Wisconsin, they would let me go free. How wonderful! I'd be poor, but I'd be free. And how long were you in, in – um, where were you imprisoned in Switzerland? In Lausanne, Switzerland, in Suite 130, just to amuse myself with Job, and for 134 days. The only reason I got out of there, the Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, who Reagan and I signed a peace accord, 1992 peace accord, for uh, what do you call it, the Palestinians and the Israelis, was $5 billion apiece. I was the trustor under the Reagan Minaron protocols to have peace – between the Israelis and Palestine. Okay, so you're saying he that... He me the, there. He wanted me to pay the $10 billion, five and five. So Prime Minister Rabin worked to get you out of prison. Yes, yeah, Rabin. I have letters. I think Lon's got a copy of the letter. Yeah. Sent it right to the prison, telling the prison, release him or we're going to come and get him. They threw me back to New York, went back to New York with both of my diplomatic passports, 04362 and 12535. The FBI asked me why I had, dip, I had dip, diplomatic passports, they don't have an American passport. I gave my United States passport to Warren Christopher a long time ago, about 140 days prior to that, because he said through his, uh, his, his uh, attache over there that I could not have an American passport and a whole diplomatic passport. So I surrendered my, my uh, American passport. Because I had two dip- diplomatic passports. Warren Canada, Christopher, Secretary of, State, Secretary of State under, the, under Clinton? Oh, there, there's a piece of change. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, I, I should uh, mention that uh, some stations along the, uh, the network will not be 
uh, joining us for the second hour, or if they they are, they may be playing it uh, on another night. But um, we will be keeping Ambassador Lee Wanta and Lon Gibby on for the uh, the next hour as well. Um, again, Lon, the uh, the trailer at uh, eagle1towanta.com. People can see the trailer there. Yes. Just explain that. There's a lot of documents there, too, that they could read the, the last chapter in the, in the uh, book, which in, in about 30 pages gives you kind of a recap of what's happened in the last two years since we started working on this project. And Eagle One to Wanta, explain the title. Eagle One is President Reagan's code name, and, uh, and, and Two Wanta, of course, is, is Lee. And uh, so if you go to Eagle One to Wanta, it's just spelled out that that's the name of the project. And uh, it's interesting that, uh, that you know, there's new information that, that we're posting all the time as Lee releases more stuff. There's quite a bit of information that uh, obviously Lee can't release because it's classified. But he's released some information that's uh, very fresh and unique uh, that you could read right on the site. And again, uh, people uh, are they going? To, are people going to be shocked and amazed at the at the individuals that appear in this documentary that corroborate Lee's story? Are they going to know? Are we going to know these people? Are they going to yeah, be familiar you're to know us? A lot, a lot of them. You're going to know them by name, and uh, you've seen them in the news for years. Some of them will be, will be very disappointing. They'll disappoint you because you you felt that they were working in your interest or in the interest of the public, but they but it, as it turned out. They were um, basically puppets being controlled from another uh, group of people. Uh, as you know, the Federal Reserve is, isn't part of our country. It's, a, uh, it's, it's actually a private organization that was formed in 1913. Well, we will get into the, uh, the yeah. puppet masters or puppet gate, as it's referred to in the, the autobiography. Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat. Ambassador Lee Wanta stays with us. Lon Gibby stays with us. We'll carry this on into hour two. Uh, For those of you along the network who are not joining us, back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for that with uh, Richard Dolan, UFO historian. My website, strangeplanet.ca. Follow me on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Uh, To those of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in Toronto, Canada, I bid thee welcome. Uh, Those checking us out on one of our affiliate stations on both sides of the border, the Zoomer Radio app and the Conspiracy Show app, the podcasts, of course, those watching or joining our Hangout on air, wherever and however you're listening, it's great to have you, and thanks for your fine company. Uh, part two of my conversation with the $31.2 trillion man, President Reagan's secret agent, the man who brought the Soviet empire to its knees and ended the Cold War without firing a single shot, Ambassador Lee Wanta standing by, along with his editor, Lon Gibby, who is also the producer of a new documentary film called Eagle One to Wanta. EagleOneToWanta.com, where you can see the trailer. Uh, Albert Vinzel is here running our HOA again and to stream this radio program live on YouTube. Just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Go to the top or near the top of the feed, and there you'll find a tweet containing the HOA link. Just click and you're in. Uh, just a reminder, Season 4, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, Season 4, will debut across Canada on Vision TV, Monday, June the 27th at 9 p.m. Write that down. Monday, June 27th, 9 p.m. Eastern, across Canada on Vision TV, Season 4. All right, and again, tonight we welcome a new affiliate to the network, News Radio 560 KPQAM in Seattle. Thanks for making The Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. All right, back to the $31.2 trillion man. And let me just recap, uh, for those joining us, uh, in this hour, if you're not familiar with Ambassador Lee Wanta and his exploits, it's an incredible story. Uh, again, uh, Lee was under the Totten Doctrine, essentially drafted by President Reagan uh, to come up with a scheme to end the Cold War, uh, to bring the Soviet Union uh, to its knees. And Ambassador Wanta did just that. He concocted a scheme involving a currency swap uh, that essentially drained the Soviet Union of any and all foreign capital, so they couldn't buy goods. You have to have foreign currency in order to buy, obviously, foreign goods. And without that, the Soviet Union just collapsed, couldn't keep their their army operating. Uh, And thus ended the Cold War. But in the meantime, Wanta had amassed this vast fortune. And he went on to uh, continue to amass a fortune with other financial uh, maneuvers. And to this date, with interest, the, the, uh, the amount is $31.2 trillion. Now, President Reagan had instructed Wanta to bring that money home to the United States and put it to good use for the American people, pay off the debt, which now, of course, is sitting around $20 trillion. In addition... Uh, Lee's idea was that that money would be put towards massive infrastructure programs like building high-speed rail systems, crisscrossing the United States, employing millions of people. And again, if this sounds like something ripped from the pages of an Ian Fleming novel, it's not. It is, he swears, all true. 
Let me now uh, welcome back Alon Gibby, editor of Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, the autobiography of Lee Wanta, and also the CEO of Gibby Media Group, the producer of, as I mentioned, this new documentary, Eagle One to Wanta. Alon Gibby, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. I love Toronto. All right. And, of course, once again, Ambassador Lee Wanta, President Reagan's secret agent who masterminded this uh, way to financially take down the economy of the Soviet Union. So uh, let me uh, get back to you, Ambassador Wanta. And I'm pleased to be back. Thank you. So once you've amassed this huge fortune and it's, you have it sitting in accounts uh, in, in you know, very secure banks and you're keeping track of these accounts with this promised software – at this, and then you're thrown into this. We, let's let's start there. Let's revisit this. Your um, your incarceration on trumped up charges in a in a jail in Lucerne, Switzerland. Um, you've just paid Vince Foster, who of course is an aide in the Clinton White House, uh, and and Hillary Clinton's former law partner in Arkansas. He travels to Switzerland, uh, asking on behalf of the Clintons for a donation, $250 million, uh, to the, um, the Clinton's Children Fund. Child, the Children's Defense Fund, they call it. Yes, the Children's Defense. Is this part of the Clinton Foundation, this fund? I have no idea. Okay. So you write a check out of the goodness of your heart for 250 Oh, I issued through Credit Suisse financial instruments at the par value of $250 million. All what right. If you deal with it after that, I have no clue. And then... Now, is th- was that at all related? Um, was there any relationship to, to Vince Foster's arrival in Switzerland and then your, your imprisonment on these trumped-up charges that stemmed from Wisconsin on, um, you know, on unpaid property taxes or whatever that amount was for? Well, I would have believed so because as we were making a round between the mob in, it, in it, Italy, then taking the oath of office as an ambassador in Paris, where Elaine Juppie has a witness who was the foreign minister of France. And then we were headed back. My, my interp- interpreter, Italian interp- interpreters, I know what they were talking about with Chief Judge uh, Pierre Luigi. We were scheduled to meet Vince Foster in Geneva. But when we left Paris to come back to Switzerland, we stayed at the Hotel Ambassador to take in. You know, Lake Geneva and the lake and stuff like that. Erica Rufo, the Swiss, rather, the Italian intelligence was with me. My translator later from Toronto was with me. And I was there. So we went out for a couple of days and sightseeing and buying some stuff and shopping and stuff like that. Because I just came back with Erica of the Italian Secret Service and my translator later, who turned out, accepted a job as the the ambassador of Somalia to Belgium, he liked it, and I felt it was fine. And I came back, and we had our paperwork. In fact, we entered Switzerland with our diplomatic passports because I was the ambassador to Switzerland. I established uh, Meritrust Swiss Society. I hired some very Swiss avocats, they call them. We moved in a lot of money, and moving a lot of money into Meritrust Swiss Society. So I'd be able, as the ambassador, to rebuild and have an embassy in Switzerland. And then we decided that we wanted to, I was going to buy a home, a big mansion, a down payment and everything with the, the avocados. Vince Foster had called 
and we knew we had to be in Geneva. But prior at the Hotel Ambassador, after we went out for a late dinner and sightseeing, Erica and my translator myself, we went into the Hotel Ambassador, and the receptionist says, Mr. Ambassador, we have a message here from the White House. Oh, wow, okay, now it must be late or something. I was thinking it was Vince Foster. Yeah, I turned, I took the number, and we all went upstairs to our separate suites, and I says, give me a chance to make a pit stop and come on back, and we'll call the White House. We called the White House. Erica was there. My translator was there, and I was there, and I called Bill Clinton's private number at the White House that was given to me by the reception at the Hotel Ambassador, which the FBI has confirmed the call did come through, and I did call from the Hotel Ambassador, and the White House documents show that I did call. But when I called Bill Clinton, this guy picks up the phone at the White House and says, Mickey Lee Cantor, oh, I need, I'm supposed to return a call to Bill Clinton? Who's calling? Mickey Lee Cantor. I said, no, no, I'm Mickey Lee Oh, you're a Lee. I'm a Lee, too. And we started talking. I'm a Lee, and he's a Lee. He says, what do you need? I said, I have a slip here. I'm in Switzerland to call Bill Clinton because here's the number, and I have you on the phone. So what do you need? Click. So I said, okay, drop dead. I didn't know what he wanted because it's Bill Clinton's number at the White House, and the FBI confirmed it. So we went on to Geneva and Lausanne to meet Vince Foster. Vince Foster, on his American Express card, he had all of us, including uh, Lorraine Fine of L.H. Fine, Johannesburg, South Africa. Okay, without and getting into it. daughter, okay. both part of Mossad, because they knew we were going to be arresting if we could. Mark Rich, because Bill Sessions, the FBI director, told Bill Cates at Treasury in Nashville that I should arrange to pick him up. I had big charges against Mark Rich. So I said, okay, I'll get the French to help me with that. And we got a hold of John Pierre of the French Intel, and we were going to pick up a scheme to invite him to the casinos in France because we wanted to his home. Okay, Lee, if I could just stop you there. Lee, if I, Lee, Lee, if I could stop you there because it's, it's, it's taking a little um, longer than I anticipated. Just tell me about, tell me about your um, incarceration in Switzerland. How long were you in jail for? Mark Rich, Bill Clinton's favorite financial buddy. So we... Hotel Orlock in Lausanne without, because he never got on, 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 on the ferry, which we thought he did. So we went over to the casino, spent some time, went to the Catholic Church there, looked in a baptism and stuff like that. And we realized later on that Lorraine Fine, who was a Mossad agent with her daughter, had told Mark Rich, because we have pictures from in security, that they were both on her balcony at Hotel Orlock. So she must have tipped them off where I was on the ferry that. Okay, Lee, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if Lee can hear me, but... I, okay, if you... I go over to Credit Suisse. Yeah, I... Okay, I've got to take a time out. Perhaps, Lon, you can you can call Lee and, and, and let him know he has to listen to my questions because he's not able to hear me for some reason. Apparently, it wasn't... It sounded like he didn't... wasn't able to hear you very well. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back, and uh, we will continue this conversation with Lee Wanta, the trillion-dollar man, $31.2 trillion man, Lon Gibby the editor of his autobiography, Want a Black Swan White Hat. Uh, And uh, we are discussing right now Wanta's incarceration in a jail in uh, Switzerland where he spent 134 days. And then he explained earlier how, thanks to the efforts of Prime Minister uh, Itzhak Rabin, he was freed, returned to the United States, only to be arrested again. So perhaps we can pick up the story from there. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt. 
and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Uh, Ambassador Lee Wanta is uh, with us. The autobiography is Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat. He is the $31.2 trillion man, Ronald Reagan's secret agent who brought the Soviet Union to its knees, amassed a fortune of $31.2 trillion, uh, which is to be used for the uh, the benefit of all Americans, re- reduce or uh, pay off the debt, in fact, with that money, and also uh, invested in huge infrastructure programs. The problem is other people within the United States want their hands or want to get their hands on that money, uh, and we'll find out uh, who they are and, and how they're managing to do that. Uh, also joining us is the editor of the autobiography, Wanta Black Swan White Hat, Lon Gibby, who is also the producer of the documentary film Eagle One to Wanta, which is coming out uh, in the next few months, and you can see the trailer at eagleonetowanta.com. All right, uh, Lee, I think you were having a little trouble hearing me, so I just uh, I want to uh, I don't want to spend too much time on on all the you know the sort of the fine minutia, but if you could, um, once you got out of the prison in Switzerland, and again you mentioned that thanks to the efforts of Prime Minister uh, Itzhak Rabin from from Israel. Uh, he sort of uh, forced the hands of the Swiss authorities. They released you. You land in New York, uh, but then they they arrest you again, and this time they take you to a prison in Wisconsin. Correct? Yeah, right. But the FBI wanted to know why I came here with two dip- diplomatic passports and not an American passport because I gave it up already. Right. And how long were you in the uh, the uh, the prison in Wisconsin? Oh, at least six years because they gave me a twenty-two year sentence. For failed to pay a civil tax assessment that didn't even live in Wisconsin of fourteen thousand dollars, which right. I had paid twice pre- previously through my attorneys, has a nuisance. But it, but the the point of putting you in jail was to to force you to release the whereabouts of these accounts holding the money, correct? Absolutely, it gave me the L for a plea. I could leave if I go to all my banks with the with the big boys in Wisconsin. They would let me go at the end of the line. I'd be dead by that time. After Reagan, I know you say he never left office, but he when, never left office. Okay, but I'm going to use that term because I don't know how else to describe it. But when his term ended in in uh, in January of his 19 second term. his second ended. term in January of 1989, and the the uh, his successor, illegitimate. I know you you, you say he was illegitimate, but President uh, Herbert Walker Bush, George Herbert Not Walker Bush, I understood. Um, are you now working under? Under Bush at this point, and then later Clinton? No, I would never work for Bush, because Reagan told me to ignore him 100%. He told you to ignore him. My mandate is the executive branch of the Reagan administration, oh. not the Reagan-Bush administration. He was compelled and forced to take Bush because of the Republican Party. Right. They wanted uh, someone to keep an eye on this outsider, uh, Reagan, was concerned. Yeah, because they, they thought he was just an actor. All right. Now, um, 
is it the Bush gang and the and the Clintons that are after this money, or who else is involved in well, trying? I think you got the Bush group. They got the cartel. You got the banks. You got the CIA. You got the Fed Reserve, which is not a bank, by the way. All right, and where is this money? Is it all back in the U.S. Treasury? Well, the U.S. Treasury confirmed to me that I they set up ten accounts for me. They know exactly where all the money is, and uh, it's my impression. They sucked it all back into 10 accounts at the U.S. Treasury, according to their officials. And that's subject to 35% taxes under Judge Lee ordered to me in the memorandum. And the 35%, keep in mind that $20 trillion, we're there. Is $20 trillion, the people don't owe $20 trillion. That's all of its debts. If, we, if the people owe 2 or $3 trillion, that's a lot of money. Because a lot of this stuff is crapola. Right. The Fed Reserve... Gave all that money away as odorous debt, and they didn't have any money to give. There's no U.S. dollars out there. It's fiat currency. That's have no value. Might as well buy a monop- monopoly buy box and buy some bread at the store. After uh, Reagan retired into public life. He did not retire from okay. public life. He was told by Bush, stay in California and shut your mouth and don't ever come back. And don't do any speeches or any conversations. All right. Bush flew all the way out to California to berate the hell out of him in front of the Secret Service. Now— Reagan's mind was, you know, obviously starting to fail. He had Alzheimer's. But did you have lengthy conversations when he returned to California? Did you have conversations with Reagan after? I just would miss Reagan and other people within the Reagan Library and the officials. Duke Blackwell was the director of the Reagan Library, who was all my files there. And they had a lot of calls from everybody, including John Roberts, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, to verify I was a mandated secret agent. And remember, in front of Judge Lee... In Virginia, Jim Comey, the deputy attorney general for John Ascroft, testified to Judge Lee that I was a secret agent under the Tolton Doctrine. All right. Uh, so here I got the FBI director now, who used to be the number two out of John Ascroft, that carried the water for John Ascroft. He checked himself in the hospital so, so Jim Comey could testify on my behalf with Judge Lee. I'm not sure who I want to ask this question to. Either of you can answer it, Lon or, or Lee, but... Um... You know, you, you talked about there's a lot of misinformation out there about, on the Internet about you, uh, Lee, and, um, and Lon mentioned this as well. Uh, there, are the, there are those people who are, who are looking at your credentials, for example, listed. Uh, I, I believe you were on the board at the, uh, the, the publication um, uh, Veterans. Is it Veterans Today? I, uh, I'm on the board, editorial board. It's right in all the news releases. Right. I report to Gordy Duff, the chairman of Veterans Today. We use the Veterans Today for a lot of intelligence work in Austria and right. Europe. Right. And But some are taking, uh, well, one unidentified who, who, who remains anonymous is, is looking at your credentials and saying, well, you couldn't have been th- this person that you claim to be. Did you want to, did you want to, your lawn, take... A few What's moments. Your claim? What am I, the janitor at Veterans Today? Or what? <laughs> no, not not at your position at Veterans Today, but your your credentials. I think, Lon, um, Lon, did you want to respond yeah, to that? I'd be happy to. Um, usually, uh, what they what they say is they um, they don't. Um, they usually say Lee wasn't an ambassador, uh, and Lee was an ambassador from uh, an ambassador for Somalia to Canada and to uh, Switzerland, and. They, if you want, you know, if you if you go to the uh, Eagle One to Want to, there, there's a there's uh, there's a document from the Supreme Court where Lee, uh, one of his cases came 
before the Supreme Court. Why would the Supreme, maybe you could answer that question, whoever it is, why would the Supreme Court address Lee as Ambassador Lee Wanta and put his to Canada and to Switzerland and put his ambassador number on that document? Okay. That's, that's a really good test right there. As well as two, fed, yeah. two federal judges and a magistrate in New York. So you don't, the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court isn't going to call somebody an ambassador if they're not an ambassador. Okay? So use that document as an example. That, that's what I'm, I'm saying. There's lots of documents, uh, other documents that substantiate Lee, who Lee is. They just don't want you to know about who Lee is because they've tried to erase every bit of information they possibly could on who Lee is because they're hoping that he would uh, either die in prison or figure, figure out a way to take him out later. Uh, they don't want this information out. All right. Um, I want to ask you about your, your work in the intelligence community, uh, Lee. You, you, um, you mentioned, it's in the book, about Osama bin Laden, and but he's identified as Tim Osman. That's his real name. Tim Osman. Tell and me about it. That's the CIA. That's his code name, Tim Osman. He ain't dead. Well, he's dead now, but he certainly didn't get killed some old man on the second floor, some attack. He died of uh, that blood deal in in at a hospital in in the Middle East. The CIA was there interviewing him when he died. You know, when they take your blood out or something. So Tim Osman died of a blood disorder. Obama bin Laden's code name was Tim Osman at the CIA. He died. Of, well, you well, they, they change your blood around. What do you call that, Lon? A transfusion. Well, you know, but some some you come in there and they change your blood around. He didn't have that equipment. Dialysis. Was. It was dialysis. Yeah. And they recycle his blood or whatever they do. He was on dialysis. He was That's probably on dialysis. Yeah, right. He died in the hospital. The real Obama bin Laden, codenamed Tim Osman. I met him at Ontario Airport with a lot of the guys regarding the old days. That's Ontario, uh, Los Angeles area. Ontario, California. Yeah. Right, right. In fact, we met him in Pakistan at the at the at the uh, bazaar, we bought 117 stingers back, paid cash for them things. Everybody knows that. In fact, George Show screamed and hollered at me. He wanted those stingers to go to the main airport in Frankfurt, and I bought them into Austria. I don't want to trust the Secretary of State to give Gen Gen the Gen General Dynamics stingers to God knows who. All right, what we're going to do at the uh, the bottom of the hour, we'll uh, open up the phone lines if, if people want to uh, ask a question, comment for either Ambassador Lee Wanta, Lon Gibby. Um, Perfect. We'll make those phone lines available to you. Let me ask you, let me get uh, play some uh, some name association here. Let me throw out some names and get your thoughts on, on, on them, uh, Lee. Vladimir Putin. Good man. And if you had to... I met him with the, dep the deputy mayor in Leningrad, and he and I were renaming committee to rename it to St. Petersburg. I represent the United States on that board. He's being portrayed as, uh, you know, another Hitler. Uh, do you think the United States can, can trust and deal with Vladimir Putin? Yes, because he knows about the gender agreement of cooperation for peace between this, the Russian Federation and the United States. We violated that thing, and when Ukraine asked them for help, he was obligated under the General Agreement of Cooperation to help Ukraine from the coup d'etat from Victoria Nuland and the State Department. And you look at the people that are running Ukraine right now, they're running to the ground, and they're bankrupt. That was the coup d'etat. I don't care how you want to cut it. It was a wrong thing to do. They had, we have a general, general agreement to cooperate in peace, 
and we have violated because oh, it was the previous administration. Give me a break. You don't run a country from administration to administration. We have laws. Uh, agreement. you know, in, on, the, in, on the website, Chapter 17, you could read about the general agreement, agreement of cooperation, and there's also a, uh, a, not the final copy, but one of the copies uh, that was uh, one of the drafts that's got the signatures on it, including Lee's. But uh, the point is that Lee's making is that, uh, you know, we, we have, haven't been keeping, our foreign policy has some serious uh, problems because we're not keeping our, our agreements. And that's at the root of the problem. Um, I don't think Lee saying uh, Putin's a perfect person. You know, I certainly don't think he is. But I think that uh, I think in this particular case, he's um, uh, he has some good reason and some issues that that need to be addressed. That we that our foreign policy has been a, two, a double standard. Okay, we are not keeping our agreement. All right, um, uh, Donald Trump. Lee, your thoughts on Donald Trump? It's too soon for me to tell because Trump, sometimes I think, is a circuit sparker because we know he's part of the establishment. He seems to be very good, but he's better if he would listen and listen to the questions and tell the whole truth. Because keep in mind, he has yet to say anything about the high-speed rail, two million jobs. Uh, no taxpayer's offense, expense. He knows about the high-speed rail, two million jobs. That's a lot of jobs. Does he know about you? Certainly. Have you had conversations? Tell me he's talking about me. Have you had? He's, he's quoting some of the same things that's in our book. Have you or your people? I'll, I'll use that term. Your people. Have they had conversations with Trump's team? I know they're. Oh yes, that, that's no doubt about that. Yeah, there we've there's there's been you know some communication I, I know of you know and actually had one myself there, but uh, uh, we really don't um, get regular communication from them yet. But I, I believe we will. I think he's afraid to come out because we're talking too many jobs for high-speed rail here. If if uh, Trump were to be elected president, um, do you think that he would do the right thing in terms of the uh, the thirty-one point two trillion dollars? Absolutely, and the high-speed rail. He would have no choice to be boxed in. If he would lie to the new people that voted him in about the high-speed rail and the odorous debt and all the things that we can do to, to rebuild our country, they would impeach him within a week. All right. And uh, if his opponent, the presumptive nominee of the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton, gets in, what are your thoughts? I don't think it's going to be an election because we just, she's been told there's six or seven counts around the tape table. One is section Title 18, Section 2071 or 2017. Lon knows the number. I don't. That if you mutilate... What she did, and it's she admitted it. It's 2771, Title 18. Okay, 207-71. And it's on our Twitter account, Eagle Under Wanta. Uh, you can just click, and it'll come up. And it's what, right there. That alone will take her off of the wishful list for being a candidate for the presidency. Well, what does that document say, in essence? Lon or Lee? Uh, that doc, well, they, I, if you like, I can call it and read it to you. It's not very long. No, just give me the but summary. It basically says if you mutilate, destroy, or or uh, take any government property, which which documents are government property, electronic documents, that you're you're liable for that, as, and you you can't run for office. I mean, it's it's very clear. It's it's it it, it basically says that you know you're a felon. Okay. All right. Here, I got it right here. 18 U.S. 
U.S. Code 2071 Concealment, Removal, or Mutilation Generally. I still stutter a little bit. A, whoever willfully and lawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, operates, or destroys, or attempts to do so, or with the intent to do so, takes and carries away any record, proceeding, map, book, paper, document, or other thing, file or deposit with any clerk or officer of any court of the United States, or in any public office, or with any judicial or public officer of the United States, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. B. Whoever, having the custody of any record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, alterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned. Not more than three years or both. Okay, okay, let me stop you there. I mean, are we talking then about the, uh, the email server? Right, it also says here, and shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding right. any office under the United States. Okay, and we're told there are something like 147 FBI agents who have been uh, on this case. Uh, yep. They have recommended an indictment, but that will lie with Loretta Lynch, the U.S. Attorney General. It shouldn't be, because she has an oath of office to serve the people, not the administration. Right, but we know how thing, these things work, and this is going to be a political football, and she's not going to she's not going to football. indict. We have a U.S. Supreme Court, which is not the highest court of the land. Highest court of the land in the District of Columbia is the district is the District Court of Columbia. That's the highest court of the land, not the Supreme Court. That's a political or organ. Interesting. All right. So you you're saying that it's possible that there will be an indictment before Hillary uh, before the election. It's more possible we're going to have an election at all. Well, we'll pick up on that point when we come back. Ambassador Lee Wanta, the $31.2 trillion man, and uh, editor, producer, Lee or, uh, Lon Gibby. The book is Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, Viking International. The documentary is Eagle One to Wanta. We'll take questions and comments when The Conspiracy Show returns. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ambassador Lee Wanta, the $31.2 trillion man, is with us. And uh, his editor, Lon Gibby producer of the documentary Eagle One to Wanta. Uh, let, me, um, let me go to the phones here, and it's Nelson in Toronto, our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal. Hello, Nelson. Hello, Richard. Great show. Thank you. Yeah, let me just talk to Leo for a sec. Leo, can you hear me okay? Go ahead, please. First of all, I want to thank you for your uh, heroism and for your, uh, um, your great example of heroism for us. What's scary? I'm still alive. Yeah. Listen, uh, Sherman Skolnick was told a story about Clinton and Gore uh, had their separate interests for grabbing rich, and uh, uh, there was sort of a shootout and a commando um, commando fight. Uh, how much of the story uh, of the whole story uh, between Admiral Gore and Clinton involved in grabbing rich can you tell us about? Well, I know that Al Gore didn't proceed running for president because both of his daughters were threatened with their lives, and he backed out. And I know 
What was the other court question? And Clinton? Well, he's asking about a shootout. And I remember and, there was and, a, a... And you were on a team, the story goes, Skolnick we talked about, with Vernon Walters and Vince Foster. Foster wound up on a park bench in Lafayette Park all the way from Switzerland and France. And right, Vernon Walters, what, what's the story? The was in his eyes. Pardon me? The, the, the park police knew he moved his body twice because the sun was in his eyes. He was murdered. There's no question. He commits suicide. Come on. And, and who protected no Vernon Walters? What happened to Walters? Vernon Walters, he died of old age. Allegedly. How did he get back from over there? On a well, plane? Last time I seen him, we were in Van, in Vanuatu, Vanuatu together in Port Vila. It's a great story. I'm, I'm sure it's complex, but... Uh, it shouldn't be complex. It's, it's just the truth. And Sherman Skolnick used to write beautiful articles about all the conspiracy and the corruption and the political corruption, and the Federal Reserve crapola. Because we are not $20 trillion in debt. We haven't even printed $20 trillion yet. And it's not even dollars. It's Federal Reserve notes. It's a fiat currency run by the IMF and the, and the banks. The people, we do not owe anything. And if we call back all the bailout money he took from me, the $4.5 trillion that Judge Lee told him to bring back, that's $4.5 trillion less 35% taxes. That's and, and clawed back all the money that the banks stole from us, certain banks, and they're still doing it. We can we can get out of this within nine months to a year. If not, I'll make up the difference. So uh, it's a great, yet. wonderful, wonderful story about what's really going on backstage hey, in the global theater. What, what about the master engraver working for the Treasury Department, the women agents there? Is there, a, is there a, a lot more you can tell us? What master cutters? They're still trying to come out with this goofy high-yield programs again that's still a derivative derivatives is not money it's a promise to pay big deal was there a master engraver involved who did all the plates well that's the treasury department a treasury they're supposed to come out i lobbied for a new u.s dollar based on the kennedy dollar and they came out with a treasury a treasury reserve note what the hell's that still a note it's a promise to pay you some future date Come back with the silver dollar and get all of our stuff back in order because the banks destroyed our economy. All right. Uh, Nelson, uh, thank you for, uh, for your questions and comments. Always good to hear from our media yes. scientist, Nelson Thal. Um, let me ask you about uh, a recent, again, for those people listening who, who still think that this is just, you know, too incredible to believe, $31.2 trillion, 32, uh, $31.2 trillion that you um, amassed. Uh, it is. It has now been repatriated. It's sitting in the U.S. Treasury in ten separate accounts. Um, but um, what is it going to take for that money to be released to you? Did you do you not have a, a a recent court ruling talking about this? Yeah, Judge Lee and Judge Ellis. In fact, when federal Judge Ellis, the the chief law, were the chief. What the hell was this guy? He was the chief, oh, the legal counsel of the Federal Reserve Bank in Richmond testified in front of Judge Ellis, and, and for the government was Assistant U.S. Attorney McClendon, McClendon, beautiful blonde, by the way, and myself. And he admitted that $4.5 trillion came into the Bank of America in Richmond, was forwarded to the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, and, and uh, the Treasury Sec- Sec- Secretary, Hank Paulson, Toll gave him direct orders to send that money to U.S. Treasury in his name, and he would handle the distribution. I haven't seen a dime. 
And hey, in the court... Hey, real bank. quick, uh, Richard. Yes. He, this money has not, you said, repatriated. You need to make sure the, uh, that your viewing, listening audience understands that uh, it'll be repatriated when he pays his taxes. He hasn't been able to do that. Uh, true, but at ordered, least the money is in the United States. taxes by a judge, uh, you know, by a district court judge. And, and in this court ruling... Uh, this was a U.S. District Court, right? right Judge Virginia. Lee in Virginia. Two powerful spike judges. Now, in these court documents, does it basically verify everything you're saying? Your name is mentioned. The trillion dollars are, are mentioned. All of this is in the court document. The court documents initial was the four and a half trillion sent from the Bank of China to the Bank of America, forward to the bank, this Federal Bank of Richmond, and then on to Henry Paulson, the U.S. Treasury, and he used that money to bail out, bail out the banks. And remember, the Federal Reserve is owned by all the banks. So the the owners of the Federal Reserve tell them to send the money, and they send the money. And Congress but, had no right to send that money. Not at all. So, so your audience isn't confused, and it's describing the book. He got, he Lee agreed to take four point six trillion in two thousand six, and they were going to be able to get the rest of his funds and do whatever they needed to do. Good installments. Going to go different directions. Yeah. When that money arrived in his bank, it was immediately taken out okay by whom and and the league, league can answer that the federal bank of richmond took over the money when it went to the bank of america they didn't have enough insurance to cover that and the bank the federal bank of richmond the chief counsel testified in front of judge t.e ellis that the money did come in his ambassador wants it did state absolutely but he was directed by the u.s treasury secretary henry paulson to forward that money to the Treasury Department forthwith, in his name, Henry M. Paulson, Jr., Secretary of the Treasury. They took that money, went to Congress, and convinced Congress, let's bail out the banks. The people will suffer. With your well, money. silly, because they had no right to use my money. All right. I owe 35% taxes on that money. I went to prison for 22 years for $14,000. I'd be in a grave for eternity. Under those rules. All right, I got to take a timeout. We'll come back. Ambassador Lee Wanta, Lon Gibby, the $31.2 trillion man, returns right after this. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416 360 0740 or toll free at 1 866 740 You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Final installment with Ambassador Lee Wanto, the $31.2 trillion man, President Reagan's secret agent, and the man who brought the Soviet Union to its knees uh, without firing a single shot, thus ending the Cold War. Lon Gibby is the editor of the autobiography Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, the producer of the documentary Eagle One to Wanta. Uh, you can see the trailer at eagleonetowanta.com. Uh, Lon, as, I mean, these people that are out there that want to get their hands on this money and prevent uh, it benefiting the U.S. taxpayer... Uh, I'm guessing they would stop at nothing. So uh, have they thrown obstacles in your way in terms of, you know, completing this documentary? Well, um, my company uh, has been in business, you know, for 37 years. And, you know, we have a lot of, of really good clients, international clients and uh, fairly s- large corporations that we work with over the years. So we, we've been at this a long time. This is one project that we 
that's very unique to us. I mean, we don't. It's not something we do every day. But yes, uh, I would say that, uh, that that this documentary has had. It's taken. Uh, we've been working on it for about two two and a half years now, and uh, it's been it's been sandbagged in many many ways. And uh, Lee's book also was uh, hijacked. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of folks that don't want it out. But but fortunately, there's a lot of people that do. And uh, Lee, I could say that Lee has some some uh, high level people that definitely um, know who he is, and uh, they want this information out. So um, it's it's getting out, but it's not been. It's, it, this has been one of the most challenging projects I've ever I've ever had in my career. Well, this story should be. I mean, plastered all over the uh, the front pages of the the New York Times, the the Washington Times, Washington Post, etc. Uh, and yet we don't read about it. For example, again, if this if this court case um, talks about this four trillion dollars and 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 how this money is, you know, Lee Wanta is instructed to pay taxes on this money. It's being then, you know, ordered to, to be deposited in a particular uh, bank. This is all in a court document. I mean, yeah. why aren't there reporters there covering this story? I guess that's a bit of a rhetorical question, but well, there it is. Well, you know, that's a. <laughs> If you're asking me, I, I have my opinion, but uh, I believe that the, that the media is a, is basically a puppet media. Uh, our the main um, media outlets, you know, uh, get a ton of money from both Democrats and Republican Party. It doesn't matter. Uh, the more conflict there is, the more money they get, because that's part of their plan is to confuse people and to get distract. And so they pay. They do stories all the time on on ridiculous created news things that are happening within our world and our country that uh, distract us, and they will, will not report a lot of uh, valid news. That's why Donald Trump's so frustrated, because he's been abused by that. Uh, they don't, a lot of them are not given fair time. And in p- this particular story is one that, um, uh, you know, that they should be reporting on, because it involves, uh, uh, the American people deserve to hear it. That's why it needs to be reported. So I'm just a small media company, but I I totally believe in our country, and I believe I believe in the freedom and liberty, and I believe in a free press. I I, I, I that was my area of study in college, and I believe media and journalism is is inherently good if they do uh, do it the way it's supposed to be done, and that is report the truth and not to be manipulated and bribed. But we have a media that's blackmailed and bribed, and payola, and they and they're getting a ton of money. It's like the Klondike for them right now. There's so much money being made uh, from both sides. It doesn't matter. Uh, they are still making money. It, it, both of them. It doesn't matter what side it's coming from. They're getting plenty of money. All right. Let's go to the phones. Deborah is in Mississauga. Good morning, Deborah. Your question, comment for uh, Lee Wanta. Good morning. Who's running the show now in the government, and who's going to be running the show? Who's going to be running the show, Lee? Uh, you mentioned, Lee, uh, that like kind of leads into one of my questions, which was, you said there may not be an election. Well, there's two things there. We don't have a gov- government under our Constitution, That's and there probably won't yeah. be an election, because the Democratic Party is the same two parties, and who counts the votes... And they farmed out all the county of the votes to very special endowed people. You have no safeguards, none. But you were hinting at the fact that there may not be an election this fall. 
That's correct. So what are you talking about? Martial law? Well, they're pushing that all the time. We're close to World War III. We're, we're bankrupt, and we shouldn't be bankrupt. It's fear factor. Everybody needs a boogeyman. as the puppet masters and the New World Order that's establishing this fear factor. So people are going to panic, which is wrong. We, we are the, peop the people. We don't need them to lead us into a hellhole. What are your thoughts on Bernie Sanders? Oh, I think he's too late to jump in there because he's a hell of a nice guy, but to take on these puppet masters and these cabals, cartels, that's going to be difficult for him to do. All right. They'll never let him be the boss. All right. So the money is sitting in these uh, U.S. Treasury accounts. Yep. Uh, you had a court order to for you to pay taxes on that money, to release that money to you. That was defied. Uh, so, I mean, what what more can be done at this point? How because they use my money to bail out the banks, and the banks won't bring it back. And the banks are insolvent now, so they're dang sure ain't going to pay my bills. They're going to be forced to do something, but the banks will go bankrupt, and everybody collapses at the same time. But we could have rebuilt our country if they would have let me pay my taxes and build a high-speed rail. We would have had a hell of a good future. Well, so what's to be done at this point, Lee? What's, what's to be done? Yeah, how are you going to get that money? Is there any hope? Sure there's hope. There's always hope because they know the money's there. Everybody knows the money's there. All the senators know the money. The House of Representatives knows. Even Paul Ryan knows the money's there. Trump knows the money's there. Everybody knows the money's there. But you have to understand, not everybody understands the proper legal procedures to release the funds so I can get to work. So what has to happen then? People got to wake up and ask questions. Tell the people in Congress. I talk to senators and congressmen all the time. Everybody knows the money's there, but nobody wants. Jack Lew says he's waiting for Obama. Obama says he's waiting for China. China says they're withdrawing their money from Wells Fargo because we lied to them. Whoever we is, I do not know. we got to get down to the basics and tell the truth. Then we have a great country. Reagan always bragged about our fellow Americans. Where are they all? They're afraid to speak, afraid to understand. They've been dumbed down, and I have not been dumbed down. I've been out in the field all my life. I'm not afraid to speak. I'm 76 in, a, in about a week or less. I'm not afraid to die for my country. This is not living because it's hell, and we're going to get worse and worse. We're not getting any better until we stand up for all of our fellow Americans. Uh, uh, two uh, prominent members of, of Reagan's administration, Paul Craig Roberts, who was— Good man. Treasury. Who was uh, Treasury, as, as Assistant um, uh, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, and, of course, David Stockman, who was his budget director. He's a good man. He's a good accountant. Now, both of those, you know, appear regularly on the media to talk about, and, and they're very outspoken. Uh, could you get Paul Craig Roberts or David Stockman to, to, to talk about you on the mainstream media? So I can't speak for them. Paul knows who I am, and so does Stock Mr. Stockman. But remember... Paul Craig is very smart. He knows he's never been replaced under the Reagan administration. He writes the same stuff I write. The truth is still the truth. And I would trust Paul. Okay. Good man. But wouldn't it go a long way to convincing the American public, because they're regularly seen on, on the mainstream media, uh, for them to, to alert Americans as to what's going on? I have no idea what their conscience is. I do not know. You know, it's interesting, uh, Richard, that, you know, we, we continually put out uh, 
at least um, you know news releases to all of those folks, and it, they, it goes out to to all the major organizations and groups like that. Uh, they never respond, you know, and it's a, it's baffling to me because um, this information, you know, uh, if they would just look, if you just read the, read read the information and the backup documents, you'd say, well, this is this is important. This needs to be reported. It's disappointing that uh, nobody stepped up to the plate, and and maybe and maybe there's a there, there's there's reasons why they're not doing it. Uh, are you suggesting perhaps that Paul Craig Roberts and David Stockman are are fearful for their lives, their families' well, lives? Well, they still have to be careful. I mean, anybody that uh, you know, the problem is that everything is you know the toothpaste is out of the tube now. So how do you put it all back in? It's just going to be very difficult uh, for people to, to stop this story because it's already out. It's been out. It's this, this uh, biography in its previous form. It was out a, a year or two ago. Uh, it's, it was released a year in June. Um, people are reading it and they're checking out the uh, the uh, backup information on it, and so it, it's out there. So I don't see it being that risky. I mean, everybody just needs to get get help communicate, you know, get the message out. Lee, do you have any ears on, on Capitol Hill? Any uh, standing uh, representatives, senators that uh, know I talk about to you? senators all the time? A lot of them want me paid. Don't understand why they they wanted me to do the funny to Puerto Rico. That's still on limbo. I was trying to do in Greece, but the Greek prime minister made better deals with the banks, and now the European Union is going to collapse without Britain. And now the European Union Commission has now decided today to have a private army. What the hell is that all about? So you were asked by certain senators to use I, your money I have to a lot bail of out sponsors when I was with the Reagan administration. You were asked to bail out Puerto Rico and Greece. Yeah, I wanted to do that. But first, you got to get your hand on the on on I'll those jump in there immediately. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm not afraid of work. I'm a worker all my life. Well, you know what I'm what I'd like to ask your audience to do is to listen to the recording of the former governor of Tennessee and also a state representative of uh, North Dakota. Listen, listen to that six minutes, and you ask yourself: Did they believe Lee had funds available? They were they're they're asking for. A, billions of dollars. So they obviously knew something. Um, well, with your permission, I, 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 we didn't have time tonight, uh, but I will play. Uh, can I play excerpts from that on my show sure. next week? Yeah, absolutely. All, all, all you want, but keep in mind the the other senator that's right now chairman of a big committee asked me to throw in the 2,000 tons for leverage of gold. They know I got the gold. So essentially, they're asking for a bribe. They, no, it's not a bribe. It's called a set aside allocation. A set aside allocation. Yes, it's more reasonable, <laughs> which is illegal under Section Title 18, Section 201A, B, and C. Even former public elected officials can't ask for that. It's illegal, and under Rico stat statutes, it really is a good bite. But see, they think they're all exempt because they're public officials. We don't even have a government to represent us crazy out there. Ambassador, thank you so much for this. I wish My you pleasure. uh thank you. I wish you continued good health and um, be thank safe. That I need. And uh, Lon Gibby, thank you for uh, facilitating this and um, You're good luck with the uh, the release of your documentary Eagle One to Wanta, the trailer again eagle1towanta.com. Thank you gentlemen. Thank you both. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. All right, my thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, all of you listening at home back next week. 
Uh, UFO historian Richard Dolan will be with us. Paranormal investigator Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be with us. And uh, I will play some excerpts from that uh, telephone conversation uh, where I believe it was a former governor of Tennessee and a, I believe a standing senator can be heard on the phone essentially corroborating uh, what my guest tonight, Lee Wanta, was talking about. In the meantime... Don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.